season four. Here we are. It's been said that we're serious. What, what was the ratio? Most podcasts only last one or two. Is that right? If they do seasons. If they do seasons. Right. Yeah, we're, we're kind of doing the Netflix model of doing a bunch and then you just binge. That's right. Yeah. And this, this the focus of the season was a little uh, a little more dialed in. Would, would you agree? Yeah. Uh, normally, we we try to, to stay a little diverse. Yeah. Um, meaning get somebody from the visual arts. Uh, dance. Yeah, dance. Beer. We, yeah, beer. We right. should do beer again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. Beer and, and, and maybe restaurants, you know, free food. Oh, yeah. oh look, look. We're, culinary oh, arts. We're so smart. Um, yeah, so this season, uh, dialing in with, with more musical mu- musician types. All, all musicians, yeah. Yeah, all making Memphis their homestead. Uh, being based in Memphis, that is if they travel or stay mostly local and, and grinding it and hustling and staying busy in the Memphis scene, which Memphis, thank God, is uh, affords many musicians the ability to grind away, so to speak. Indeed. We, uh, our, our first guest was Adam Holton, who... Fantastic bass player. Yeah. I just want to put that out there. Fantastic bass player. You have to be to play <laughs> what he plays. Oh! And sing. And at sing same, at the yeah. same time. So, the O'Bruni Dance Band. Yeah. Um, we all know who the band Rush is. <laughs> Getty Lee. He's, he's, he's up there. He's up there slinging it, throwing down some not simple bass lines and uh, jamming in the, in the native tongue. And, yeah, yeah, and they just happen to get a huge splash of social media presence in Africa, where they're watching this white guy, which just so happens, oh, Bruni means white dude, right? <laughs> so if you're not familiar with the high life genre, then you should go go get some of that. Check out a playlist; it's, yeah. it's fabulous, infective, wonderful. You, if if you come out to Memphis, uh, do a search. You got to see this band live. I mean, it, it, there's a whole scene. Surrounding these guys and gals, uh, people from the Ghana community have supported, and they come out regularly and dance and hang, and it's a fabulous multicultural smorgasbord. Check it out. Check it out. Adam Holton, thanks for joining us on Memphis Got Machine it. today, man. Thanks for having It's me. all official. Yeah. Um, part of a player series, we're just kind of highlighting some more players. Players? Players? Players. <laughs> from around the Memphis this might area. be one episode, huh? I don't know. <laughs> But um, uh, I know you've got a lot of musical things happening, but one of late that's uh, hit a high mark for you is a Bruni dance band. Let's, yeah. ju- let's just jump into it. Can you, yeah. uh, I know that that's uh, kind of give us a, the back story of that and we'll kind of go back and, you know, of, of your upbringing and whatnot as well. But uh, t- tell us about this little gem that's happening in the Memphis uh, yeah. scene. I'm glad that you called it a gem. That's it awesome. is. I, I think it's <laughs> yeah. outstanding. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So it is. Um, it's original music. It's also uh, cover songs and stuff, but uh, it's all just based around West African pop music. Yeah, and really, it branches out beyond West Africa as well. But um, really, it's about pop music from like I would say like the '60s up through like the '90s, basically. Okay, and then African pop music kind of took a turn when they got way into hip hop. Right. So right that music has changed but um that's what we're doing is trying to you know bring that music to new audiences and um and also just kind of like pay respect to this amazing music that kind of 
you know, flew under the radar, I feel like, for a lot of people. Sure. So, uh, especially for Memphis, there wasn't really anything like that going on. Um, Hope Claiborne also is a fan of that kind of music. Some of her music uh, ventures into that territory also. But there wasn't really anybody that was just doing that. Yeah. So um, that was kind of something that I had spent a lot of time learning. And then when I moved back to Memphis, because I'm from here, um, there wasn't anybody doing it. So I just, after spending enough time away from it, I felt like I've just got to do this again. Like it kind of, uh, for some reason, I realized after spending a bunch of years away from it that all that music is now on the internet. Whereas when I was learning it, the internet was not to the level that it is right now. You didn't have iTunes and Spotify and stuff. And something like Napster didn't have this kind of music. Right. And so all of a sudden, uh, after having spent a lot of time away, I was coming across new music and, um, you know, old music that I had heard and didn't even know who the artist was, uh, stuff like that, and just really got excited about it and reinvigorated. So for the people who might not know that sound, could you break that down? Like, you know, your typical band that you're trying to... Yeah, so most people when they hear it in Memphis and probably America generally think like island music. They're like, oh, Calypso, you know, that kind of thing. Um, which there is a lot of similarity. But, it, it you know, we have horns, uh, we have a percussionist who plays congas and, mm-hmm. and also other percussion, uh, drum set, guitar, keyboard, and bass. Um, it's very rhythmic, and it's it's dance music. I mean, it's not like... Um, it's not so far flung from like funk or disco or anything like that. I mean, it, there's definitely common threads, you know. Um, there's really heavy emphasis on, you know, the downbeats of like, but every downbeat, not just, right. you know, it's yeah. like a four on the floor kind of dance music. Um, and how's that reception going as far as the dance part of it? Yeah. So it took a little while for people to realize that they were supposed to dance. That it was like Memphis, <laughs> Memphis is kind of. I don't know. People are reluctant to dance in Memphis. I really? Like. Yeah, just generally. Yeah. You know, but that's coming from, you know, I, I played in Colorado a lot and there's like a big jam band, hippie sure. kind of scene out there and they'll dance to anything. You know, it could be like odd yeah. time signature. They don't care. They're going to get out there and dance some one way or another. So coming back here, um, people are a little more cagey. I feel like people can be like, um, I don't know. Maybe it's like a, a reluctance. They don't want to be judged or looked at or whatever. It's just not as commonplace, I don't feel like, here. So it took a little while to get that ball rolling. Mm-hmm. Um, early on, people were just kind of watching. And they were enjoying it, but they were just watching. You know, they were tapping a foot. You so know. did you? Did the dance band part of the title of the band come to, to, to encourage people? Was it just yeah, O'Bruni yeah. at one point and then you... Well, no. O'Bruni <laughs> dance. Yeah, yeah, that's a good idea. But yeah, so like uh, I actually use that because um, a lot of the pop music from Ghana, which is what, you know, what I studied most of, um, a lot of their bands were called dance band, oh, you know, okay. so right. like the Ramblers dance band or something. Um, and that was kind of what their function was. Um, they would play for hours and hours for parties and just you know they knew like this stuff started back in the like 20s and and um they knew like foxtrots and stuff like that too because there was colonial power there also so they were like they would be hired to kind of cater to everybody right sure so that was where that the name came from but um the dance 
part of it. Like, you know, we were having a hard time. My wife will get out and dance always. She's like always the first one up to dance. So she would kind of get things rolling. And um, she really helped a lot with early progress of the band, getting us booked and, you know, uh, social media and all that stuff. But um, yeah, we, we decided, like I was trying to find a way to get people going. And we, we I had seen this, this group of um, African dancers called Mama Africa. They're students at U of M. And um, I was like, do y'all want to come do this? They had come seen us, and uh, they were into it. So I was like, do y'all want to just come dance a few songs with us? Dance on our intermission, you know? And uh, and it, that worked. It mm. was like people could, you know, they were like, oh, this is what you're supposed to do. Yeah. You know, I could do that. Yeah, you, right. You know? So then uh, the more people that have seen us that come see us again, the quicker the dance happens, mm -hmm. you know? But... It's still, you know, people, it's usually like the end of the first set. People got to get a few drinks in, you know. <laughs> it depends on the room. If it's dark, then they might get up quicker, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like, get, get a little liquid courage going. Yeah, it's true. There's so, so, so explain, you know, what, what, what was the bug that bit you that, that started your journey? And, and you, you, know, you mentioned actually studying and, and uh, rather, you know, what was it that, that got yeah. you hooked on this? So I went to school at University of Colorado. And, it's like uh, Greeley or a no in Boulder. Boulder, yeah, yeah. So I went to school there, and while I was there, I played with a drummer who um, we, we were just playing like you know jam band kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that was what I was into at the time. And he was he was in this um, this class, you know, sort of like a an elective, like one credit music class. And he was like, man, you got to come check this out. It's called the African Ensemble. That was what it was. The credit was. But um, it was the longer name was the West African High Life Ensemble, mm. and so I went. He was like, "You got to come check this out." And his friends were who had seen it before, were like you, you would love this. So I went and checked it out, and just danced like the whole time. You know, just absolutely loved it. They played at a big uh, auditorium there on campus, and they had built a following, and it was like you know six hundred people just oh, loving yeah. it. You know, so um, yeah. I was like, I got to get in this band, you know, whatever it takes, you know, and it just, it worked out. I went and saw the, uh, the director, like, you know, soon after that as I could, so to make sure I could get in it for the next semester. And he was like, it happens that we're losing a bass player. So, you know, this kind of worked out all right. Fortuitous. So, yeah. Yeah. So then, um, I had to learn, you know, all their, all their rep really quick, um, you know, for, for gigs and, uh, and stuff and that was like it was a challenge that was kind of I didn't go to school for music and that was kind of my introduction into playing professionally yeah because it, even though it was like a student group uh, the rhythm section was all pretty heavy players and so you know they had high expectations and it you know that music has uh, really really prominent bass lines and stuff mm. um, so it, that was kind of my first experience with having that professional level of expectation yeah. from somebody. Yeah. So that that was it, man. I, after that, I, I pretty much spent the rest of my time in Colorado playing, you know, West African pop music and other wild. other pop music from Africa. Yeah. yeah. And when was that? That was, uh, I was in school there 2004, 2003 to 2007, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I did stay like a year after I finished school. Uh, at that point, um, I was playing with a guy named Paco, who's a Ghanaian drum set player. Mm. Um, and he 
he had come over as a guest artist through the program, the the African Ensemble, and we hit it off. And he stayed for like I don't know three weeks or a month or something like that, maybe even longer. Um, and so we put a band together and we were playing gigs on the side apart from the African Ensemble. So we were just doing like real stripped down like four or five person thing with mostly percussion and then bass and one horn. And so it was kind of different for that kind of music, but we were playing, you know, funk, uh, Afropop, fusion kind of stuff. Um, and so with him, you know, that, that just kind of took off and we were like, man, this, we, we got to get you back. He, you know, his visa was running out. Oh, we like, wow. we got to get you back. So we figured out how to get him back and then we played together for a year and a half or two years after that. Um, we actually brought the band, it was called By All Means Band, and we brought the band back to Memphis just because Colorado is so spread out, you know, like if you want to play another city that's major, you have to drive, you know, like oh, eight, yeah. 10, 12 hours, whatever. Wow. So just that part of the country is so spread out um, that we felt like we were, and, and very expensive too. Right. <laughs> so we felt like we were kind of, uh, you know, it was time to, to look for a new opportunity. And so we came back to Memphis um, and played here for a while. And then it, everybody just kind of went their separate ways. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, what, who, who is the personnel now? Now it is, um, we've got Logan Hanna on guitar. And he was kind of the first person that I went to with the idea of starting the band. And he recommended Steven Chopek, which I hadn't met Steven at that point. I hadn't even seen him play. And he was you know, telling me about his background and everything. I thought, man, he could probably do this. Yeah. And so I got together with Steven and um, he was just kind of assimilating these crazy rhythms really quickly. Yeah, he's a great this, drummer. This yeah. will work. You know? Outstanding musician. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah, Logan, Steven, Felix Hernandez is the conga player mm -hmm. and percussionist. Uh, Tim Stanek is playing keyboards with us. Yeah. Victor Sawyer is our kind of full-time horn player, and then horn players are so busy that sure. we have like three other people that play with us right. uh, when somebody's not available. So yeah. we, we like to have two horns at every gig. Um, so yeah, it, you know, it could really even be bigger. <laughs> like uh, that music accommodates so much that we could easily have another horn player. You know, two more percussionists. Right, but it's hard to get paid with seven people yeah, right? <laughs> so like I can only imagine what uh, how much harder it would be with like ten and you're, you're the primary vocalist right yeah yeah yeah. so that was different too um, that was something that I first started doing with Paco like I had always just played bass in the High Life Ensemble there was one song that I would play that I would sing right um, but it's pretty it's pretty aggressive active bass playing right and very rhythmic polyrhythmic and um so it it's it, it took a long time to be able to where i could just sing and play that, you know at the same time that that's a truth be, being a bass player myself and, and and you know musicians get it but a lot of people don't understand that singing and playing bass is like juggling and riding a bicycle <laughs> yeah. while eating a piece of pie at the same time. Whereas like with, with guitar you can you're you 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 can kinda in sync strum with right. what's happening. But yeah, it, it's like this counter punnel thing happening, yeah. playing bass and singing at the same time. So yeah. and I can't imagine, you know, something like a West African pop music 
not helping that at all either. No, right? <laughs> it doesn't at all. Absolutely not. Oh gosh. I, I just, you know, um, when Paco was first over, we would play literally like I was in school at the time, but we would play like just all day. So mm. I would go to classes, come home and we would just play until like two or three in the morning. And I would oh, get up goodness. and go to class at like eight. So he was, it was kind of like, uh, that was like going to music school, playing sure. with him. He's yeah. like a, a virtuoso, you know, player. Um, once again, that kind of like real high expectation. And so we were like, we got to be able to play more. We don't have anybody else that can sing that had time, you know, let's just do it. I'll, I'll figure it out. So it was a lot of playing things really slowly and just like over and over and over, right. just repetition. Even, even now, uh, with the Abruni rep, we don't add that many songs, you know, that frequently. But I still, before a gig, I'll have to kind of go through and just touch on everything and make sure that it's comfortable because it's terrible to be in that position. Like when the bass falls out, everybody notices. If you're, you know, if you're a guitarist <laughs> yes. or something like that, I feel oh, yeah. like you can kind of coast a little bit. Yeah. And um, with the, when the bass either falls out or hits the wrong note, it's really apparent uh, to even non-musicians. Right. They're like, whoa, what happened? Right. They don't even right. know what it is. It's yeah, just it's instant. something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're totally right. I'm, as a guitarist, I, I, I embrace that luxury. You know, yeah. It's like, no, okay, I'll, I'll get the next one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, so, so, it's uh, different. Hey, so, so for the bass nerds like myself, what, what's your what's your current rig uh, bass-wise? What, what are you favoring and what, you know, What's what's a rig that would favor this type of music? Yeah, so like most of the stuff that I listened to was recorded with like really old, you know, like Japanese knockoff basses and right. stuff like that. That was what they were playing, and and uh, you know now they have a lot of modern basses and stuff. You know they're playing more modern, really awesome basses over there now. But uh, you know for me, I was kind of just trying to find something like the string spacing was important because a lot of times you're kind of you know it's a lot of quick. Uh, rhythmic bass lines that mm -hmm. move kind of alternate strings um, and so I wanted really tight close strings I, I used to play five string when I played this um, and that you know had a little tighter string spacing which mm -hmm. made it easier um, but then I you know since I'd been back in Memphis I kind of gave up the five string I was pretty much always playing a P bass for right. everything I was you know for rock and country and stuff um, and the spacing on the P is really difficult to to accommodate. I've, I've found okay. for this music. So I, I'm playing. Um, it's an Apollo bass. Uh, it was like a Japanese-made knockoff, kind of the viola-shaped Hofnerish. Hoffner. Yeah, Hofnerish. Um, it's like a chambered body, um, and it's you know it's funny. Like some parts of the work, workmanship are really you can see like design issues and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. But it's, I think it's from like the late sixties, early seventies and really overall it holds up really well. Yeah. And it's a short scale, which I also find easier cause I have right. small left hand, you know, mm -hmm. I've always enjoyed shorter scale stuff. So it's short scale and tight string spacing. Um, it also has like a really woody tone, that, right. you know, that works well. So that's kind of, you do like round wounds or flat wounds on that? Round or? wounds. Because yeah. I, 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 yeah. I like it to, to punch, you know, mm -hmm. uh, especially with that kind of music. You can kind of get like your right hand can really be super percussive in a way, you know. And, right. And, and um, I, I like, you know, I like the punch for sure. That's cool. I mean, so I, I, I'm, I'm thinking about... Um, yeah, I've got a... 
Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, like, as far as like you know, going back to uh, people embracing and, and experiencing the, uh, your music, um, you know, most people are probably coming from. Well, you know, if, if they were at all interested in like in what world music, world beat type. You know, I, I remember that those terms being flown yeah. around, I, and, that, and probably a, a lot of people, if they were, you know, thinking about it, maybe their introduction to any kind of world beat type sound would be maybe uh, Peter Gabriel and, of course, Paul Simon. Mm-hmm. You know, coming from the '80s. Those yeah. guys incorporating, um, and maybe some disco, maybe I don't know, you yeah. know, possibly, but like, uh, um, yeah, with the advent of of, of the internets, yeah. and uh, uh, you know, like you said, Spotify, all the streaming services, it, it's there's just a cornucopia yeah. of, of sounds to pull from, you know. Yeah, I, I definitely don't feel like I've, you know, even scratched the surface for the continent of Africa. You know, like I know outside of West Africa, I know like a few major artists from other areas because at the time I was picking this stuff up, that was kind of who you could get, you know, that was all you could get. Um, I remember when Paco came back the second time, he had gone to like a, somebody who either ran a radio station or was running one at the time. And he came back with like four CDs of MP3s, so they had a, a bunch of songs right. on each CD, um, and it was like all this stuff that you could you just couldn't find at right. that time. It was like 2007, you know, and it was just unavailable. And he had, you know, he had sort of hoarded all these recordings, and was he had even had them broken out into like, you know, older dance band stuff, stuff from the 70s, like. Uh, you know, guitar band stuff. So he he had it all organized, but I don't know who any of the artists are. I still have the discs, but I don't know who any of the artists are. Yeah. Like wow. every once in a while, I'll come across one now when I buy something new or find something new, and and be like, oh, this was on. You know, that's why I, I, I knew this song. I don't even you know, but that's how difficult it was to find that stuff at that time. And you, I, I guess you're singing everything in English for our listeners. Uh. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I started out that way. There's a few songs that I had learned um, from uh, Mac Tonto, who was uh, he was a guest artist for the African Ensemble, and he was in a band called Osibisa, which that's one band that I find some Americans do know. They were kind of popular in the '70s mm-hmm. in in America. They they were able to tour Europe and America. It was kind of one of the first world music groups. So he was a guest artist, and some of the songs that we did with him, I had kind of learned the backup stuff, you know, the the call and response stuff. So I knew the the lyrics. Um, and then more recently, we've gotten plugged into the uh, Ghana community here in Memphis, and we've played some of their parties. And so I've, what's that been like? Oh man, it's amazing. It is yeah. so like so gratifying and. Uh, it you know it means more i always say this like you know don't be offended but it means more to me that they care about it and that they enjoy it than an american audience yeah you know because that's who i learned it from i feel like i owe it you know to them um and so yeah but playing playing in front of them before we did the first one i was like man (laughs) be nice if we could learn some more songs that they would be able to sing all the words to Mm -hmm. you know and so i had reached out to people in that community and they had been coming to our gigs, and they were really enjoying the stuff. But I, I thought, you know, it'd be it would be really special to play one of these classics that everybody knows. So I've had um, some friends that have helped me, a, a gentleman named Samuel Adamson and his wife, and they went through and you know wrote down all the lyrics for me. And then I've have used um, I forget the the name of the app, but I think it's AnyTune, 
app and you can slow songs right. down uh, and they retain the pitch and so I've slowed them down to like 50% to make sure I'm like hearing all the intonation and the voice you know so they wrote um, like the, the alliteration for the, you and stuff yeah, like, yeah yeah they wrote it all out and then uh, but it, you know it's like it's like English you know whenever I'm talking to him about it they're like it's the same with English you know uh, English singing um, that you know they jam all kinds of words together right. so they're like pulling apart you know uh what sounds like one word to me when I'm listening to it, and then when I read it written, it's like six. You oh know? wow! And so they're like jamming it all together, so it's helpful to see what they're actually saying. But then I also have to know how to sing it, not sing it how it's written. You know what I mean? So I have to slow it way down um, and try to get the sounds. I kind yeah. of approach it as if it was, you know, um, an instrument. You know, where I don't understand all of the what they're saying, but mm-hmm. try to understand the the sound of it. Well, speaking of language, where where did the name Obruni come from? I mean, what is it? So that like, and that's funny too. They like, it's pronounced different ways. Mm-hmm. But, you know, um, but it means like foreigner or white person. And so being over there, uh, they'll just call out to you. You know, it's pretty obvious. There's not a lot of white people, so they just call out to you, "Hey, Obruni." <laughs> you know, uh, and so that. You know, I wanted people from Ghana to understand that what what it was. You know, yeah. that like they would know that word. People here wouldn't know that word, right? Um, so that was kind of the the goal there. It was like an inside joke. You know, that's fabulous. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Oh gosh. Um, so as far as like um, you've been playing Memphis, obviously. Have you been playing out uh, other towns or what? What what's up? Uh, you got plans to try and bust yeah. out? We're we're working on on some plans um the uh the ghana community here when we played those parties they they'll have people in town from like you know maryland and new york and you know yeah. so there's really large uh, ghana communities up there and um last year we played the independence day uh, event here and um they have a big one usually like in new york and in uh, the dc area mm-hmm so we're trying to that that's in March, March sixth. And so we're trying to figure it out where we can go up there and play the Independence Day events up there. Right. And then kinda of work our way back to play one in Memphis also. Um, which hopefully we'll be able to do. There's you know, there's obviously the cost of traveling with seven people is yeah. it's not small, you right. know. Um, we're looking at some of the opportunities that they have I'm spacing on the name right now oh music export Memphis you know trying oh, to figure yeah, out yeah, how to yeah. utilize some of the funds they have available to mm-hmm. do something like that um, so yeah we're, we're working towards that and then they just announced that Ghana is the the country of honor for Memphis in May this year nice. really and so that's just like fortuitous timing yeah, right? you know, just amazing yeah, that's cool yeah um, so I'm trying to bring in a lot of people um trying to encourage them to bring in a lot of people that I've played with over the years and we haven't recorded this band yet and I'm hoping that if I'm able to get some of them here that we can kind of have them guests on the on the album yeah um, so that's sort of the big picture that I'm working towards right now hopefully we'll have a big March and a big May you know so this sounds like this takes up a little bit of, of your time Right, it does. Yeah, right. Yeah, I do work a day job though. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I work a full time day job too. So uh, this does take up a lot of my time and brain space. You know, um, I had to kind of 
pull away from uh, from some other music projects and stuff. Right. I was going to say because I've seen you play with other projects, so it's not just yeah, you're, yeah. you're busy. Yeah, I, I still play with Big Barton. We still do the country thing, the mm-hmm. classic country thing. I've been doing that for, I guess, I, I started with the band. I think we've been going on like eight years or something like that. Right. Um, I had my own rock group called Mr. Adams, and um, that also. I started that in about 2010, and we just kind of uh, took a hiatus of sorts this last year when O'Brien was kind of getting bigger. And right. It also just felt like, man, I've been doing this a long time, like the rock thing, and um, it just felt like a good time to sort of chase other other interests, you know. Plus having a kid too. So I got a four-year-old. A family, yeah, yeah. right. All of it. Yeah, it's busy. So that. You know, I, and I don't want to be gone all the time and miss miss that. That's the other reason for not wanting to to leave town a whole sure. lot. Yeah, um, but you know, tr- trying to seek out or uh, have some choice gigs happen yeah. that is is outstanding. That'd yeah, be great. yeah, that's that's the goal. You yeah, know, find like either a way to do a short run or a one off gig or whatever, mm-hmm. something like that. So, so where can folks uh, c- catch the band? Well, I know Rail Garden has been a real supportive of you guys. Yeah, right? we've, Wiseacre we, too, right? Yeah, yeah, Wiseacre. We're actually playing this Friday at Wiseacre. Um, Wiseacre sort of got us our start. It was like, you know, people don't know who you are. They don't know what you do. Right. And even though they know the musicians, they're kind of reluctant to just jump into it. You know? Great Memphis Brewery. You can catch that on our beer episode. Yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> Good plug. Oh, great guys. Yeah. No, they're fabulous. Yeah. So they were, you know, and they they are real supportive of music, uh, and have been real supportive of stuff that I've done over the last, you know, since they opened. Really, mm. Big Barton was one of their first bands that was kind of a regular feature, and then uh, they had we had the Mr. Adams CD release there. We did a big Pink Floyd cover show there oh, with wow. Mr. Adams, and they just, you know, if you have an idea, they're like, yeah, let's try it, you know. Right. So with uh, with their Bruni, they're like, yeah, let's let's see what happens, and. Um, they were kind of our first regular gig. We did monthly gigs there for a little while and then have kind of branched out. Uh, we're doing, yeah, trying to do monthly at Rail Garden. Uh, we played DKDC a few times. and That's a lot of people in DKDC, right? It is, yeah, it's tight. It's tight. But it's fun. They're like, it's dark and people right. are closer. They, you know, the dance floor gets a little rowdier in there. Yeah, I, I, when. To, to people visiting Memphis, I always mention, you know, obviously you, you try and point them to some of the more choice uh, acts and, and uh, venues on Beale Street. I and mean, Beale Street's, you know, fun, mm-hmm. uh, the circus that it is. And I always mention Bar DKDC just as far as like, if you yeah, want to try. Seven people, that's intimate spacing. That, that, it yeah, is. But <laughs> yeah, we're tight. That's a great yeah. venue for, for local, uh, you know, people doing doing different stuff. That's yeah, that's um, a cool place. Yeah, when we, when we do it, Felix sits on part of the bench that would normally be like oh, table yeah. space, and then the horns stand next to him. So we're like we're way out into the <laughs> into the out. space. They're like you know it's kind of like a you know like a ninety degree angle, and so the dance floor is in the middle of the band almost. You know, yeah, um, which is fun, man. I mean, as far as energy, it's a lot easier to to get energy going in a place that size compared to Rail Garden, where like people are enjoying it. We we were just there to see Hope Claiborne the other day, and. Uh, people are enjoying it like afterwards they're clapping they'll, they'll tell you oh that was great but it's just so spread out uh-huh. that it feels like you're playing to nobody even though yeah. you're not and everyone can see you dance yeah it's true <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's why people are reluctant you know they're very reluctant <laughs> yeah. to get up and dance there you know 
it takes it's usually the end of the second set and by that time you know they're oiled up and they've they've heard enough of it they're ready to go and so like it seems without fail the last like three songs at rail garden or when people are up and then okay. we're like well should we just keep playing you know oh, <laughs> now that we got them going right you know took all this <laughs> So you guys play about once a week, I guess, on, uh, on average? Yeah, right? on average, we've been doing about once a week. Sometimes it's twice in a weekend, yeah. and we're off for a few weeks or something. But it's it's been average about four a month. And um, it looks like it's going to be a little bit slower uh, the next couple of months, which will probably be good because we it's kind of hard to add new uh, new material when yeah. you're playing that much. You know? Yeah, right. It's hard to find time to write, you know. Yeah, so, so, so with your originals, like, so how... How are you formulating the originals, and what, what what's your thought process on that? Yeah, um, so we we do kind of a few. One thing that we do is like original takes on like you know classic rock songs. Okay, like, yeah. Like we do like um, you know Warren Zevon song, and we do like a Dire Straits song, and and it's kind of like take those songs and put them into this feel, which it. It ends up being, you know, almost an original song. Like, mm. and, we, and we also we did a Nirvana song. That's like, it it doesn't sound anything like it. You right. Know? Um, we just basically took the lyrics and repositioned them, you know, <laughs> and mm. did a whole different thing. Uh, so that's one thing that we do, and that and that's really fun. And then as far as the other original stuff, um, a lot of times it's kind of, you know, writing. Uh, just trying to find a hook either like rhythmically or whatever mm -hmm. um, and starting from there and it's just trying to uh, we use more of like uh, you know I'll use more like American pop format you know like a verse chorus uh, kind of thing which is not necessarily as prevalent in, right. in their music um, and so I'll try to make it accessible in that way sometimes I use some of their language and sometimes I don't um, but just yeah trying to and and then basically uh, you know uh starting out uh with the band i was going through and playing everything on a demo you know like i'd play the drum part and play the oh, wow. play the bass and guitar and just sort of build it and then um now it's easier i've, I've learned finally I've, at this point i'm finally like involving some digital element to the project you know so now i'm using like uh what is it uh, guitar band or what you know one of those kind of apps to at least build the drum beat. Yeah. And then it's a lot quicker and just doing like, you know, a four bar, eight bar thing. It used to take me, you know, a day to do a demo for a song. Right. And then now it's like, you know, I can do it during my son's nap or something, you know. So um, that has been helpful, you know, um, as far as teaching uh, these guys who are not uh, as versed in this music. Mm -hmm. Um you know what I want to hear, what I what I think would fit, and then so they, you know, these are all really great musicians who are able to learn something quickly, right? And then all of them, I think, approach it from like, let's learn what's on the demo, or let's learn what, learn what's on the record, and then I can make it my own. Yeah. You know, so um, that's kind of been the approach. It's just, um, you know, me me writing most of it at this point, and then them making it their own afterwards that's cool so you're doing like a i mean like three like, like three set kind of format or you know, yeah two we set usually or? do two yeah we usually do two long long sets and you know that's one other thing i, I feel like um you know wiseacre and rail garden 
are not really like sticklers about you know you're going to play this amount of time this this length of a right. set or anything which is i think appropriate i mean you know you can get into that realm where people are like oh we want you to play four hours right you know take 15 minute breaks it's like man that's not it's not really reasonable <laughs> in, in a lot of settings. Yeah, you know right, what I yeah. mean? Like that, that may be your expectation, but uh, you know, I'm sorry. That's not really how it, it, the music it, works best. It, it's a know? different, well, it's, it's a, it's a different, I mean, you're, it, it's like an artist uh, format. It's not necessarily just cover band, right. wallpaper music right. situation, you know? Yeah. I mean, there, there is a, yeah, we, you know, there's a limitation of how many songs we know even, no, you know no, what I'm saying? Not, <laughs> not to, uh, not to diss that. I've paid a lot of bills, being musical wall pe- wallpaper, you know, oh, yeah, that, that's that's Absolutely. fine. There's, there's nothing, nothing. Uh, um, yeah, this music doesn't really serve that purpose, right. though. I mean, it, it really needs people's involvement, even if it is just tapping their toe or like mm-hmm. bobbing their head or something. Like, it needs people there. I mean, that that is the the sole function of it is to like have people dance. You yeah. know, like it, that's that's what it came from, anyways. It's in the know. name. Yeah, it's in the name. <laughs> Yeah, we gotta do it. Oh, so when you're writing, you ever like, I don't know, this is going nerdsville, but like geek out on bell patterns and bass stuff, just yeah. all, you know, like because you know that, that's a regional thing over there. Where absolutely, yeah. yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, yeah, absolutely. So like, and, and that's something that's interesting too. Like, um, you know, a lot of these bell patterns are also in, used in like salsa and you know merengue and like mm. rumba and all this kind of stuff. It's really interesting that, once you get into like, yeah. <laughs> like where all this music came from. You yeah, know, and it's there. And, and so high life, and uh, you know that's the the kind of West African pop music from Ghana is generally termed high life. Um, it is interesting in that it's kind of like you know the music that left Africa, unfortunately on slave ships. You know that came over to the Caribbean. You know all that in America. Um, then became all of these amazing pop forms, right, you know, yeah. rumba, salsa, all this stuff, jazz, swing, mm-hmm. blues, you know. And then uh, the interesting thing about high life is like that was kind of their indigenous music, but fused with music that came back to Africa, like in the form of swing and right. salsa and rumba, that they were hearing and then being like, well, you know, we can do this, you know. Mm-hmm. They they were loving it because it was it came from them, you yeah. know, originally. Yeah. So that you know, there's so much cross pollination there that that went on, and then even, um, you know, they would have like a big concert, like um, in the '70s, I believe it was the early '70s. They had a big funk concert, and um, so like James Brown was there. That's right. And like you know, there was a, I forget all of the artists that came, but like James Brown's the one that everybody talked about. Mm-hmm. And after that, they're like culturally they're they're very adaptive and so they heard that and they were just like oh yeah this totally fits and so then they just went right into incorporating those elements even more into the music they were making um and so you could see like a change in high life in in the late 70s or you know mid to late 70s to this more i mean you know they were playing funk music you know and they'll, they'll still call it high life it's still sung in their language a lot of times it still has like the clave patterns or you know the the bell patterns that are that are present in high life there's still the guitar elements of high life um but i mean it was heavily heavily influenced by you know funk so so i mean i guess uh maybe we touched on it a little bit but is is this the equivalent of like uh you said you know the music has taken a, a turn to more of a hip-hop uh, out of the '90s, right? Right. You know, so, 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 someone uh, a, a Ghanaian, you know, 
someone who has grown up, is this kind of like putting earth, wind and fire on the turntable? Totally. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, so, and so there, yeah, that's the funny thing about playing the parties. Like the older people at the parties know like every word to everything. And, um, you know, and they just eat it up. That was what they grew up dancing right. to as, you know, as young people. Then the younger people, like people my age, have a respect for it now. I feel like that may not have been as true in the 90s. Like there was a point where I think they, you know, they were just ready to move on. They were like, we don't want to hear high life. Wow. You know, we don't care about that. They were very into, you know, American rap and hip hop. Right. And so they, they created hip life, you know. Uh, which was sort of fusing high life with with uh, with hip hop, but it was also it was definitely more of a new thing than it was the old thing. Were, were they sampling some of the older recordings? Yeah, to all yeah. Of it, right? Well, well, the, yeah, they would they would sample some, and then like they would still have like the the bell pattern or something. Present. Okay, and it, other than that, it wouldn't necessarily you know sound like it. Right. Um, now it's kind of like there is it's very I really want to go back and hang out there again like and see what it's like now but my understanding is there's like a budding like jazz fusion scene there and like I've, I know Paco has been uh, big involved in that so, so you and, spent uh, time over there yeah I went over did, there twice did we skip that part I think no, we just haven't talked. Yeah. Yeah. Man, yeah. man, please, if, yeah. if, if, if we're good on time, jump yeah, jump yeah. into that, please. Sure. So yeah, I. Um, I got to go the first time with the director of the African Ensemble. He, it was like a study abroad thing. And so that was like five or six weeks or something like that. And it was, you know, I didn't even go for the credit. Like I really just, I just went, it was like like one credit or something. You know, I just had to go and check yeah. it out. So that was like one year into playing the music. And um, I got to study with a, a bass player who's, you know, who had been involved like, basically from the 60s up to you know like he had been he had been involved for a really long time mm -hmm. and um so i got to study with him and you know we spent a little bit of time uh i wish i'd gotten to spend more time with him i'll put it that way yeah um but you know got to to see him playing which was really helpful because there again uh the internet now you could go look up like you know, high life guitar, high life bass. Like you could find somebody from Ghana like playing. You know, right. same thing with like Sakus or like you know Congo music. Like you can go find it and see it now on YouTube. Whereas at the time, I just had to listen to it. And so some of what they do is different. You know, the way that they use their hand yeah. is just totally different. Um, and I didn't know that until I saw somebody playing it. You know, in person. Um, but that was. Man, that was a, an amazing trip. We got to perform, you know, several times while we while we were there. Um, got to see some major performances, and then I went again with Paco and the Bio Means Band uh, in like 2008, I think, something like that. 2007, 2008. And that was about three weeks, and it was it was really amazing that time um having being there with somebody my age you know was was uh really cool that knew everybody and he was you know he was famous over there as like they would call him like small boy drummer or something because he's a very small guy in stature and he had been playing professionally since he was like you know like eight or something wow. you know? so he's just like well known over there he had played with all of the major artists mm -hmm. um and so when we were over there like you know people just wanted to see what this was they're like what are y'all doing you yeah. know they're like um 
you know, they would call Paco and be like, Paco, you know, we're playing here. Bring your white people, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, and so, like, we, yeah. we would go there, you know, they're just like, you know, they just wanted to see, like, what this was all about. Like, right. what is their involvement? What is their, you know, uh, obsession with this? Um, and so we, we got to play at, uh, you know, some really major venues over there. Um, and people were just, you know, the reception is really good. People really enjoy it, mm. you know? Um, so that was that was a really cool trip also. Uh, and then, you know, there again, now, like, I'm finding some of those people that I had met on that trip on Facebook and stuff. Oh, which yeah. Which, at that time, they didn't really have right. a whole lot of... So, yeah, the, the internet community has definitely made it a lot easier to connect. Yeah, f- for all the mindless, dumb stuff of the internet. Yeah, because there's plenty of that. Because there's plenty of that. <laughs> I, 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 that's why I, when someone... When someone posts or tells me like oh, I'm so bummed on Facebook, I'm like, just start to fill your feed with arts. Just it helps. Yeah, it helps a and lot. What's crazy too is you know? what you're talking about uh, the the internet not being fill in the blank. You know, like to yeah. having access to X, Y, and Z that we've talked about in this conversation. That that really wasn't that long ago. No, you know, I mean, right? No, <laughs> no. Yeah. It it seems like it. You know, like we right. just had it forever when mm-hmm. you think about it. But no, I mean that. Yeah, even just like uh, you know the way people can video everything now, right. and so you know y- y'all play a lot. I know you probably see it too. Just like people just standing there, yeah, I mean, yeah. like in a bar, you know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're like, are you gonna watch this? Or what are you what are you doing this for? You right. know. Um, but back then, you know, like when we traveled over there, we have like one clip of all the performances right. we did while we were in Ghana. We have one clip that's like twenty seconds long, you know, <laughs> and that's all we have from that whole trip wow so you know th- like everybody didn't have it on their phone I mean you had to have an actual camera Cam- camcorder <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah with, with a tape rolling in it yeah oh gosh yeah that's outstanding yeah so Man, if so- people want to get into this uh, high life I mean recommendations I, I think that if if I think most people that are, are the closest they come is maybe Fela yeah, yeah, That's and so like, yeah, how you know how close, how similar, how you know. Yeah, so before Fela went into Afrobeat, he was actually a high life musician. Mm-hmm. So he started out playing high life, and then that just you know my understanding is that was uh, had a lot to do with him here in James Brown, you know, mm-hmm. um, and so that's kind of where and meeting Tony Allen, his drummer. You know, I think right. that I think Tony had a lot to do with the sound, um, but so high life. Probably, you know, there again, you mentioned Paul Simon. That's probably the other thing that people would recognize. Uh, right. That he, you know, some of the um, some of the tunes he did were, even though he used a lot of South African musicians, he also used Ghanaian uh, percussionists. Um, and so he also had people from around Africa that were making that sound. Um, so stuff on, you know, uh, Graceland album, Rhythm of the Saints, definitely draws from from Ghanaian music but that's always my favorite question after we play is like oh I want to hear more of this what should I listen to because you know if you now that there is the internet if you get started it'll suggest another artist and all that stuff yeah so like there's you know there's a bunch of people that I recommend I kind of have an answer typed out that I send to people when they ask that question on Facebook Mm -hmm. but um, a band that is very accessible uh, from a western standpoint is the Sweet Talks and they um, recorded for like you know ten years. Like three of the best uh, vocalists in Ghana 
all had spent time in that band. Oh, wow. And so they were just like powerhouse, you know, high life group. Um, they recorded actually, one of their records was recorded in California. It's called Party Time in Hollywood. And it's like probably the best, you know, like just jump into high life and see what it's all about. Yeah. Um, so I always recommend them. OCB Sai is like a great uh, world music that is based on West African rhythm mm -hmm. um, and uses West African language. Uh, as far as older sort of, uh, you know, more of the early dance band stuff, E.T. Mensah is like one of the best, you know, for that era. He's uh, probably the most prolific from that era. And then as far as like there's also some modern people who were throwing back to like the precursor to um, high life, which was called like palm wine music. You know, uh, palm mm. wine being like the drink they were drinking when they yeah. were you know playing. But it it was very uh, it was much smaller. You know, they would use a guitar or a stringed instrument called the seprawa, um, and then like a cowbell shaker and like either a box drum, um, sort of like a cajon, but yeah. where you can change the tone with your foot. Um, that was sort of the base mm -hmm. of, of the group. Um, and there's a group, uh, a gentleman called Kony Mo, and he's like a guitarist. He's kind of the one guy who's throwing back to that era, um, and he's been pretty prolific as well. Um, and then something more modern that is kind of like high life, classic high life sound is uh, Pat Thomas. And he was, he was actually in Sweet Talks for a little bit, but... Um, he has a band in Europe called the Kwashibu Area Band. Kwashibu? Yeah. I, I just like saying that, Kwashibu. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, they're like, man, they're, they're amazing. They, they definitely also incorporate some Afrobeat elements, but mm -hmm. um, they actually had Tony Allen uh, guests on, on their first record. But as far as like, the, the recording quality is really great, which you don't always find in High Life. Right. Because uh, it's being done now. And it's... Yeah, I would definitely recommend Pat Thomas for sure. He's getting ready to release another record. And I was like, I was telling the Memphis MA people, I was like, you really ought to try to get this guy over here. I know you don't know who he is, but it would mean like so much. Like people would travel, you know, from right. yeah. around the country to come come see it. So I've been trying to like put, put a lot of bugs in their ears about people that they should be bringing, you know. Yeah. But there's also a big Ghana community here that, that can point them in the right direction too. And, I, you know, I just musically selfishly i'm like i want you to bring these people you know <laughs> i want to meet them i want to you know want to tell them how amazing they are so um yeah well, that's so cool that's the, the next country for memphis and may mm. and here we are and here we're man having this conversation yeah it's so not get, planned so that, get that, ready yeah get ready man <laughs> <laughs> yeah. hey so like on on a, on a just a, uh, on a, I have a, I'm curious about on a, on a family note, uh, having a two artist household, your, your, your wife, Misty is, is artist, Absolutely. you know, uh, uh, yeah. strong artist in her own right. And so, yeah. how, you know, not, not too many households have a quite the musical thing going on. How, how, yeah. How's that working out? You know, it, it works out all right. Like she's, you know, I mean, I think, uh, not to speak for her, but I think like, like most women who have a, a child, it's like it. I think it just like throws a bomb in, in, in the house. You're like, what, what, am, what am I now? Like, what do I do? And, you know, she has all these, she was already somebody that had a lot of uh, interests and talents. So she was already, a, you know, a visual artist and, right. and a dancer and a musician and all this stuff. So I think, um, you know, 
musically, I think she uh, has a lot of ideas. We, you know, she has new songs that she's written. Uh, hasn't been performing as much. Uh, she's done more visual art recently, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that's easier to do. You can do it solo. You don't have to arrange schedules and get a band together and all that. Um, and we've done more duo performances, you know, since uh, since my son was born. Oh, cool, yeah. So that's fun. That's actually how we met. Uh, J.D. Westmoreland was her bass player, and he had double booked. And so I subbed for it at the very last minute, like the week of the gig, you know. And, uh, you know, we just became friends and eventually, you know, got together. But Yeah. Yeah, she's, man, she, with, with her Bernie, she's been a huge... Uh, inspiration and just like behind the scenes making things move kind of you know early on she helped us get like our first couple of gigs and was just reaching out to people she believed in it she wanted to go out and dance to it and she was like let's get this going you know I I want this to happen and so you know that's the other thing that uh, probably keeps her from doing all the stuff she would want to do is is, you know helping out but um, yeah it's definitely you know, it's it's a challenge just to have a family and try to do that and do it do it well and uh, and maintain the other things. You know, yeah. keep it all going. Yeah. And he's he's just, my son Vincent's just now getting to the point where he's like, I want to play in your band, Dad. Uh, you know, yeah. like getting those kind of inquiries. You know. Yeah. So I've, I've been telling him, look, you got to work on the cowbell, man. That's that's the first <laughs> yeah. thing. You that's know, great. that's going to be your your intro. You know, your oh, way to get great. in. So. Yeah, it's it's definitely auditions or <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We like you know we both feel like uh, we don't want him to be like pushed into music, sure. you know. And um, so we we feel like we almost lean the other way of like not encouraging him at all, you know. Just like we're we're not you know right. I th- I, probably other parents are more encouraging of like pick pick this up, try it. Mm-hmm. But we don't want it to be like oh that's what mom and dad do. I don't want to do that, right? You know. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. I have yeah. I have two boys, and and I'm I'm really hesitant to, you know, you know, if they if they don't if they're not into it naturally, I'm just kind of hands off. Yeah, you know, yeah. I, and Marcella Simeon said as much. I think you know yeah, with with, with yeah, her uh, with her upbringing, which you can listen to on our podcast. Another yeah. plug. No, uh, but she, yeah, she mentioned that it you know it just was her folks kind of you know encouraged her, but it wasn't like the yeah. the theater, the, the backstage mom. Right, helicopter, helicopter parent, whatever you know that that yeah. kind of yeah. pageant mom. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you just do your best to expose them to right, good yeah, music, yeah. and then and that that's just yeah. That's it either. Yeah, we you know it doesn't even have to be good music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can I can I can tell you that not all of what he's listening to is good music by my taste, but you know we're just like whatever you know. If he's into it, I can say that we will both encourage it a whole lot, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we want it to be of his own making. My parents were really great about encouraging us to play music. They, you know, uh, my brother also played, and my cousins played, and so they would be like, "Oh yeah, you can you can play the house." We had we had a neighbor. We were playing just terribly loud, you know, grunge music, and the neighbor put up with it. My parents put up with it because they were like, "Well, if you're at our house." And you're doing this, you could yeah. be doing a lot worse. You know, they, they would. I remember my dad took us to see Rage Against the Machine. Oh my goodness! Was, you know, like he would take us to see all kinds of stuff. Uh, I was very fortunate that way, and you know, he would act like he liked it a little bit, just you know, 
so he could take us. But um, looking back, I'm like, man, he was probably hating that. Ah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you want to see Tool and you know oh, Ozzy and, you know all oh, this stuff. Yeah. Like, oh man, he was probably not quite as into it as he let on. You know, <laughs> that's funny. That's <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. Well, is there anything else, man? We've had a good a good run here. Yeah. First uh, interview in our new digs here. This oh, is yeah, cool. this are, yeah, our, yeah. Right there. Yeah. Do you like our sound treatment? Yeah, yeah it looks no. great, man. <laughs> Very professional. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, was, yeah, yeah, was an emergency. Yeah, no, no, right. yeah, yeah. It's like, I think it's, this is a C sharp when you hit, it's a metal, it's a metal it's, pipe. Yeah, it was right in between like a B and a C. It's like, yeah, it's it's, like this oh, no. drainage from the ceiling or whatever, <laughs> in the rooftop. Well, Adam, thank you so much for hanging yeah. out with us today. Thank uh, you guys for having me. Y'all visiting Memphis. You got you to look up the old Bruni dance band and, and, and experience the experience. Go hear some high life. Hey. Don't be shy. Come dance. Yes. (laughs) Thank you again. Yeah, thank you. So I hope you've now gotten a taste for high life music. Um, I'm going to be listening to more of it. You got to see it live. You got to see it in person. It's uh, like we've said before, got to see humans do things in person. Otherwise, you're missing out on being a human. Adam's a great human. Had a good time talking to him. (laughs) So much. Thank you, Adam. Adam.